Well, Aloha Mission Church, what a joy it is to be here. It's not easy to remember to dismiss our children every Sunday. Just want you to know that. It's, it's hard work. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, hey, I am so looking forward to next Sunday and uh, celebrating Ohana Sunday with everyone here, where we invite our family to come. We invite our friends People who we consider family. We're going to have such a fun day. Um, Wanda is, has prepared uh, our women to, uh, to do worshipful hula. To, to give God glory in, in a dance that we did in Hawaii. And, uh, and the tradition and the custom there. It is so beautiful when you understand that the movements of your hands and uh, your fingers and maybe even your hips... <laughs> is a gift to God, um, and it's such a, a beautiful thing. And so I'm super excited about that. I'll be preaching from the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible, and uh, I'll throw in a lot of uh, pigeon and, and how we speak in Hawaii. And then um, we're going to have a wonderful lunch afterwards. We're catering that from Island Style Cafe and Santee. So please, 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 a great, great day to invite friends to come. It'll be a wonderful day to you know, introduce them to this amazing church. We also want, uh, if, you're, if you have it, to, for people to wear aloha attire. And um, I was kind of looking around the church. Did you see Robert Churchman's shirt? Beautiful aloha shirt. This one's, this one's okay. Um, John, I'm not sure if yours is, you know, an aloha shirt. It's, it's made the same way, but it has um, Star Wars things on it. <laughs> so maybe, maybe in the galaxies outside, that's uh, aloha attire. But uh, please come and join. It's going to be such a fun day. Last Sunday, I began kind of a short, just a two-week sermon series on, on, on holiness. Because as I was preparing our membership class, um, I, I was reminded of how much I love, love, love our church. And there's many reasons to love the church. And one of the reasons why is because of the doctrine that we have. Our doctrine of holiness and entire sanctification. And so last Sunday, I, I, I preached on God's part in all of this, right? He, we, we began with that passage where God calls us to be holy because He is holy. Be holy because I am holy. And when we understand holiness starts with God and He calls us to be holy, we know that, that holiness is something that God desires for us. So last Sunday I preached on God's part. Today it's our part, our response to God's holiness. And I love our doctrine of holiness. Because when we when we when we look at just a quick review of last Sunday, we, we understood that since God is the source of holiness, and, and I highlighted three aspects of, of God's holiness in, in the world, we talked about the beauty of holiness. And we looked at this through the lens of Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah has a vision of God, and, and he, he, he kind of tells us what he sees there. God is high and lifted up, and the angels around him are crying out, Holy, holy, holy. And, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And it's just a beautiful sight of God's holiness there. But along with the beauty of God's holiness comes the danger. Because 
God and sin, God and sin cannot occupy the same space. His purity and his holiness is kind of like the sun. I use the, the sun that's shining above us as an example of da- beauty and danger. Right? The, 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 the sun above us is so beautiful. It gives light. It gives warmth and it gives life. That's so beautiful. It illuminates the beauty of our, our world. But it's dangerous because it can blind you. And it can burn you. And God's holiness in much the same way is so beautiful. But if we are sinful and we come into the presence of that life and light, we're in danger. And, and Isaiah understood that. He said, woe to me. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips. And he knew that his fate was one that was headed for disaster, had it not been for the third aspect of God's holiness, and that is his mercy. And his mercy was shown when God sends one of the seraphim to touch Isaiah's mouth with a hot coal. And by doing so, The Bible tells us that Isaiah's guilt was removed and his sins were atoned for. And because his guilt was removed and his sins was atoned for, he could be in proximity and be in the presence of God without being annihilated. It's like trying to fly to the sun. You would burn up halfway there, except if you went at night. Right? Remember last week? That was the joke. Right. My friend Kimo. <laughs> so, we, 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 we covered all of that. The beauty, the danger, and then the mercy of God. The mercy of sending a seraphim to touch Isaiah. And to remove his guilt and sin. Oh, And that was just a foreshadowing of the mercy of God. Because then... God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh to redeem people back to God. Oh. And, but we have to understand something. We don't think of this too often. But Jesus was the, the fulfillment. The, he, he, he was the fullness of who God was. Every beautiful thing about God was embodied in Jesus. And, and if it wasn't for his mercy, people could not even come in contact with Jesus because Jesus is that holy being of God. But because of God's great mercy, for the first time in the history of the world, man, sinful humanity, and a holy God could interact face to face. Wow. I mean, that is mercy personified in Jesus. And it was God's call in Jesus' life to redeem people back into this holy relationship that God desires to have with his people. And now, because of God's mercy in Jesus, it's no longer dangerous to approach God and come close to God and draw near to God It's not dangerous anymore. In fact, it's welcomed. It's welcomed. 
You are welcome to draw near to him as he draws near to you. Wow. And then Jesus And then Jesus was the sacrifice. Instead of using a hot coal to purify us, it was his life that became the sacrifice for our lives. And and again, mercy is shown even deeper that way. (laughs) And and I got choked up a little yesterday as I was talking about this. Yesterday, last Sunday, as I was talking about this. But that is the depth of the love that I have for this beautiful doctrine that we have and why I love it so much because I I am understanding the deepness of this beautiful grace of God, this prevenient grace, we call that in the church, this grace that comes to us when we don't even deserve it. We might not even know anything about it because one of the things that we know from all that I have said is this, that God has taken the initiative God has taken the initiative to begin and pursue a relationship with us. Isn't it beautiful to be pursued by love? I hope and pray that you've experienced that in your life. That someone loves you so much that they're doing what they can to draw near to you and pursue you and pull you in so that you can have a deep and abiding relationship. That's beautiful because they love. And that is exactly what God has done. Despite who we are, despite our flaws and despite our sins, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, God demonstrated his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners is when Christ died for us. God didn't say, Gordon, you need to clean up first, man. (laughs) Your language, you are a man of unclean lips. And I'm not sending a seraphim to you. (laughs) If you don't clean up, we can't do this. He didn't say that. Before, before I did, I made a single move to God, while I was steeped in my sin, while we were all steeped in our sins, is when Christ died for us. God took the first step. He was the initiator of our beautiful relationship. And God, and God didn't wait till we got all cleaned up. <laughs> God's holiness in mercy is on full display in Jesus. I love that. And because of this great mercy, the Apostle Paul helps us understand what is our response to this beautiful gift of grace and mercy. So I ended my sermon last Sunday with Romans chapter 12. And that's where I'm going to begin today, to pick up so that we can find our way to responding to God's holiness in our lives. So, if you have your Bibles, it's going to be up here as well too. Whatever translation you most like to read from, hear the word of the Lord from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This 
is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Oh, thank the Lord for his good word. As we read this passage of Scripture, one thing that I don't want us to gloss over and I don't want us to miss is this really important part of this passage of Scripture that we don't miss the perspective that the Apostle Paul frames our journey towards holiness in. We need to see holiness in view of God's mercy. That's what he calls us to do. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. What is the normal response that you have when mercy is shown to you? Ever thought about that? Have you ever received mercy when you didn't deserve it? You said or did something that may have hurt someone else. You did something that ruin someone's car or home or whatever it is. And, and instead of retribution and instead of punishment, King Mercy. As, a ch- as children, we understand that because we receive mercy as children from our parents, hopefully. <laughs> what, is your, what is your natural and normal response to having received mercy? Maybe it's humility. Maybe it's gratitude. Right? Those are good responses. But church, can I share with you the response that God is looking for in our lives? It's for us to be holy. Holiness is the response that God desires for His mercy in all of us. In, in our lives. And in Isaiah chapter 6, as we continue on in that story, where we see the beauty of God's holiness, we see the danger that Isaiah was in, and we see the mercy that God extended. When we continue in that story, we see Isaiah's response to the mercy that God shown to him. After God had taken the, the, uh, had the seraphim go and take the coal to touch Isaiah's mouth, to purify him, God says, who will go for me? Right? Then I heard a voice saying, whom shall I send? Who is going to be my voice in this world to redeem my people back to me? Who's going to go? And Isaiah's response is, here I am. Send me. In this little phrase, in this response to God's mercy, we see the unfolding of our response to what God has called us and desires us to respond to Him in in, in His mercy. Here am I, send me. What What Isaiah is saying, what he's doing is he's... He's saying, Lord, set me apart for your use. You see, that is 
what being sanctified means. That is what being holy means. Holiness means being set apart to be used by God. And when Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me, he's saying, sanctify me, use me for your goodwill and for your purpose. Isaiah's response to God's mercy was a response of holiness, to be set apart. And another thing, that is not easy to just see in those few short words, is Isaiah is saying, there's an aspect of you that I want in me to share to your people. And all that Isaiah could have of God's greatness is his voice. Right? Who, who, who shall I send to be the voice for me, to redeem my people back? And Isaiah said, send me. Let me be your voice. And that is a foreshadowing again of our response to what God would have us to do as we respond to his mercy. Because in much the same way Isaiah responded to God is how we should see, how, how we respond to God's beautiful mercy in our lives. Because in view of God's mercy, the Apostle Paul calls the church to respond by offering yourselves as living sacrifices, holy, set apart, and pleasing to God. You see, church, when we respond to God's mercy, we are being called by the Apostle Paul for ourselves to be set apart. But you know what the the, the problem is in this passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 12? The problem of that passage of Scripture for me for a long time was the semantics. Because I didn't understand what being a living sacrifice was all about. Right? How, do you, how do you be a living sacrifice? This word living sacrifice is, a, is, is an oxymoron, right? You guys know what an oxymoron is? It, it's a word or a phrase that is kind of contradictory of each other. Oh, I wanted to come up one at a time. Oh, it does. Okay, good. Pastor Gordon's top ten oxymorons. I have some great oxymorons. So can I share them with you? Right? This is a fun list that I compiled from time to time. So here's a good oxymoron. Number 10, guest host. Do you guys see the oxymoron in that? Are you the guest or the host? Okay, awfully good. That's an oxymoron, right? Is it awful or, or is it good? Number eight, this is, it's not, the, it's not the, the, the journey of our church, but sometimes churches, they grow smaller. <laughs> you know, how do you do that? Are you growing or are you smaller? How about this one? Virtual reality. You guys ever do the VR glasses? Have you ever done that? And when you look into it, everything looks real, but it's not. It's virtual, but it looks real. Number six, this is your only choice. Is that a good oxymoron? (laughs) Having a choice is great, but this is the only one. And then there's number five, the, the very thing we're talking about, a living sacrifice, right? Are you living or are you dead? <laughs> are you both a living sacrifice? Number four, 
That's a fairly accurate description of what God would have for us. Fairly accurate. Is it accurate? Eh, fairly. How about number three? Freezer burn. I deal with this all the time with the leftovers that I just throw in the freezer. You open it up and it's charred by the ice. <laughs> freezer burn. The last two are my favorite. Microsoft works. <laughs> the, the young crowd, they, they don't know what that is. But that was a computer program that we used to use back in the day that didn't work. But that's the maximum. And then fun run. Oh, my gosh. That is the number one oxymoron. Can I get an amen? I see that hand. Thank you for letting me indulge you with my top ten oxymorons that I wanted to share with you. But understanding what a living sacrifice is, is so important. You see, a living sacrifice is a person who is learning to daily surrender more and more of themselves so that through surrendering more and more of themselves, they can take on more and more of the likeness of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. A living sacrifice is a person who's daily learning how to be less like Gordon and more like Jesus every day. As, as the Holy Spirit reveals to me the things that I need to, to work on and that I can lay at the foot of the cross and surrender it so that Gordon is less and less like me and more and more like Jesus. Jesus kind of said this in Luke 9.23. I, I don't have the scripture up here. But Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves. Take up my cross daily and then follow me. Less and less of me, more and more of Jesus. It's, it's the, the surrender and the sacrifice of my will so that I can Understand what God's will is. That which is good, pleasing, and acceptable. And that is the beautiful aspect of God's plan for holiness. That God sent Jesus to give us this amazing example he gave us a tangible example of what holiness looks like. And in our Wesleyan heritage, God's plan for holiness is that we all grow and mature to be more and more like Jesus every day. That's the plan. Christ-likeness is what we call it in the church. To be like Christ. Because when we're like Christ, we're becoming holy. We're becoming entirely sanctified. Last year, when we went through the Our Story sermon series in preparation for membership, Pastor Bob Smith preached a sermon on this very thing. And he, and he began by quoting Article 10 of our manual, which is the, the, the article that speaks on entire sanctification. And yesterday in our membership class, we looked at Article 10. And, and would you read this article with me so that we're all, we're all 
knowing, because we're reading it together with our own lips, what this, what this is leading us to. Let's read together. We believe that sanctification is the work of God which transforms believers into the likeness of Christ. That's what we're talking about. That sanctification, that setting apart, that being holy is the work of God that changes us. That's where it transforms us. It takes us from who we were to who God would have us to be. Who Gordon is when I learn to surrender more and more of myself every single day, picking up the cross daily to follow Jesus and become more and more like Him. A living sacrifice. Being more like Jesus. And this has helped me to understand so much about how holiness can truly take place in my life. It's helped me understand that. And that is why I love the church. You know why? Because when I first came to church, and when I first began to hear messages about holiness, I used to ask myself, can I be holy this side of heaven? Is there hope that I can be entirely sanctified, like through and through? Somebody like me, because I knew me. <laughs> and if you knew me, well, if you know me now, <laughs> can Gordon really be holy? Don, can you really be holy? Because I know you. <laughs> I mean, is that something that, that we can do? And my perspective at that time made me think that it was impossible. You know why? Because at that time I thought holiness came by my effort and my determination and my fortitude as if I could work to be holy by myself. And every attempt that I made eventually ended up in failure. But when I started, and I was motivated, and I began, I did some good things. God straightened out some of the things in my life. I overcame some of the things that, that I should not have been doing. But it was all temporary. Because in all of the changes that I was trying to make in myself, there was one thing that I left out in the whole equation. I was changing a little bit here and a little bit there to be a little bit better. But that didn't keep my motivation going long enough. The one thing that needed to change more than anything else was my heart. I was trying to change my behavior. I was trying to change my language. But God really wanted my heart. And what needed to change was the deepening of my love for God. That's what I mean by God needed my heart. I needed to grow in my spiritual life to the place where my desire for God to transform me was more important than my desire to fit in or do the right thing or stop swearing or, or doing the things that I thought I needed to change. God wanted my whole, whole heart because 
Church, I will tell you from the experience just from my own life. Honestly, from the lives of many others as a pastor that I have journeyed with who have longed to be holy and struggled with it because all of their human efforts have fallen short. That there is a better way to holiness. And Romans 12.2 shows us the better way to holiness. It's not about an effort that we put forth. It's about being transformed. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to say something to you that I pray that resonates into your heart. And that is this. Holiness is not about sin management. Holiness is not about trying to sin less. Holiness, church, is our response to God's mercy. To surrender ourselves, be less and less like me, so that Jesus can live through me more and more. Every day. You see, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He created humanity in his own image and in his likeness. We understand that. We've all read from Genesis. But when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, this beautiful image that God imparted into us has been marred. It's not the same image anymore. And we have strayed from that image, that image of God's holiness that has been implanted in us. And so now, church, today, holiness for us is a return to that image to be Christ-like, to have that image of God shine brightly in us so that we can reflect God into this world. And we do that not by changing our behavior, but by loving God more deeply. Loving God so much that we would desire what he would have for us beyond what we would desire to have for ourselves. To love God so much that we are transformed by love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says this, May God himself the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, your whole soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And the one who calls you, he is faithful and he will do it. Not me. He will do it in me. He will do it through me if I am willing to allow God that place in my life. See, the journey to be Christ-like is a transformation of our heart. To cultivate a deepening love for God where we treasure our relationship with Jesus more than we treasure anything else this world has to provide. Beyond the riches, beyond everything that we're dealing with in this world, to love Jesus more than all of that. 
and to keep the relationship that we have with God holy, set apart for His good will. Let me share with you a hallmark of a great relationship. Many of us have great relationships with people around us, right? We, 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 we treasure that in the church. But I will tell you that the hallmark of great relationships is this. It's hearing a convicting word through the lens of love and accepting that. Think about that. If someone that you didn't have much love for and with, if someone that you just had a casual relationship with says something convicting to you, (laughs) you go, what are you talking to me about that for? Maybe you should look at yourself and we bristle and we're defensive. But when somebody who loves us who we have a great relationship with, says something convicting to you, and you know that they share that in love, and you receive that, that's the hallmark of a great relationship. It's like when Rochelle says to me, you're wearing that? (laughs) That convicts me. And I have to go and look at myself in the mirror And do something about it. (laughs) It's when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. And you're willing to do something about it. Instead of saying, who are you to tell me what to do? Great relationships are marked by loving conversations, by convicting words that we will accept when, when it comes from God. Because we're bathed in prayer and we're living out of His Word and the community of faith that is around us helps us to discern that this is the voice of God and we are willing to be changed by that. And it brings us to repentance. Because our love for God is greater than our love for anything the world has to offer. See, holiness reminds us that God and sin cannot coexist in me. We like to make sure we point that out to everyone else, but it has to start here. God and sin cannot coexist in me because Jesus is in our hearts and we need the Holy Spirit to cleanse us from this bent to sin, this desire to do what is not right that has been passed down from every generation in our spiritual DNA for us to keep in step with the Holy Spirit instead of nurse some kind of sinful lifestyle in our own lives. It's a call to holiness is what I'm talking about today where we see sin the same way God sees sin in us. For too long, I think, even us in the church, we've been desensitized to sin 
to the things of this world, the darkness of this world. We're no longer repulsed by it anymore. And, and I, I share this with a small group that meets on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. to pray. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Because this is when it happened. Saturday night, Rochelle and I, well, I, I won't bring her into this, me. <laughs> I said, what do you want to do? Oh, let's just watch something on TV. So we pulled up Netflix and we realized a, a series that we had been watching, a, a new episode had come on, a new series. I'll say it to you, I'll tell you the name of it, Stranger Things. Oh, you guys right here, I know. And we watched the first two shows and it was dark and it was evil. It really was. And after we got done, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on the both of us. Really? Are you watching that before Sunday morning? Before you get up here and preach to your people, you're going to let that into your life? I, I felt it. I was like, oh, that was terrible. We shouldn't have done that. That's the convicting word of someone who loves. And I accepted it. And I confessed it, didn't I? I shared with people. God is at work in us. And you know what, church? This is what I told them. I would rather have God convict me of the things that I ought not to do than hear crickets. Because God's no longer working in my life. Church, this is a call for us to live out the doctrine of our church. This is holiness. Does it mean that we're going to be perfect in all we do? Obviously not. But the journey that we have towards Jesus is one that we learn to love him more and more every day so that we can be less and less of who we are. And you know what the truth is, church? The truth is that we are being transformed all the time. Either we'll be transformed by the things of this world or we'll be transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. But make no mistake, we're being transformed daily. And my prayer is that we will love God more than anything that this world has to offer. And in doing so, to allow God to transform us, to help us to be the people that he would have us to be. I love what 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18 says. In fact, if you come into my office, it, there's a huge banner that spans the length of my office that has this passage of scripture on it. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, it says contemplate, but I love the word reflect. We all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. Where does it come from? Ourselves? Me trying to be holy day by day? No way! It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit access into the depths of our hearts and lives, into our minds, and we allow Him and say, God, Work in me, transform me, help me to be less and less, and you to be more and more. And see, church, this is why I have hope that holiness can happen in all of us. 
Because if it can happen in me, it can happen in you. And that is why I love this doctrine so much. Because it gives me hope and even assurance that the holiness God desires that we live is something that he will provide for us. It doesn't come by our own self-sufficiency. It will only come through our sacrifice. Our self-sacrifice to allow God to transform us to become the people he desires us to be. People who are more and more like his son, Jesus. Christ-like. Holiness, church, is a matter of the heart. It's not about keeping rules. That is legalism. That is sin management. That will end in failure. The church has tried for many years to make people holy from the outside in. And I can tell you, it might work for a little while, but it won't work forever. And I'd rather be a part of something that works forever. Because God is in the forever business. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21, tells us who can accomplish this transforming work in our lives. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What we cannot do ourselves, God can do. Holiness begins when we respond to God's mercy and allow God to transform us from the inside out. To love Jesus so much that we would rather live for him than anything this world has to offer. It's not about rules. It's about love. So as I conclude today, I'm going to go back to the passage of Scripture that I began with last Sunday from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. God calls us, church, to a life of holiness. My prayer is that we would be willing to take that journey today. Begin today. And as I close, I want us all, would you stand with me? We're going to sing the song, Breathe. It's a beautiful message of holiness in it. Sometimes we think that the more and more we can get of God in our lives, the holier we will be. And we surely need more of God in our lives. That's for sure. But I will tell you that what God desires is not that we would have less of Him. We want all of Him. But what's going to make a difference in our lives? It's when you give God all of you. That's going to make the difference. Today, you want a journey to 
towards holiness, to be a living sacrifice, the most important thing you can do is to surrender your whole heart and life to Jesus. Join us today here at the altar. You can pray. And I'll join you. I'll pray with you. Come as we sing this beautiful song. Listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart today and respond to Him.